Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Enterprise Linux Security, episode number five. And I feel like this is kind of like a coming of age episode for the podcast because we went over several uh, key concepts in the industry. And now we're ready to start having guests every now and then, which is awesome because we have um, Adelai with us. And of course, we have Jao, as usual, with myself. We have uh, Adelai here with us today. And we're going to be talking about the attacker mindset. And I've been waiting to do this episode pretty much since the very beginning. So I'm, I'm glad we finally got a chance to record this. Hi, Jay. Hi, Adelaide. It's uh, great to have you here. Uh, hello, everybody who's watching or listening to us in one of the platforms. And yeah, like uh, Jay just said, this is a, a special episode for, for us. It's the first time we have a guest on the, on the podcast with us. And we'll be talking about the attacker mindset and the different types of attackers and what do they look for and how, hopefully how to protect a bit against that. And yeah, let's see how this goes. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because this is something that I thought about when I was new to the industry. I think a lot of people think about this when they hear about a company or a service getting hacked. It's like, oh, okay, what exactly does that mean? Because... You know, when I was really young, I remember the movie Hackers, I think it was 1995 or something like that, where you had these 3D like towers and they're just going through and there's all these like um, glowing things going through wires and it's just like this 3D space. And, um, you know, Hollywood conditions us a, a certain kind of way about security, but it's totally false and totally not the way that these things go. So we were really excited to have someone here that could kind of walk us through what this is actually like. And well, first of all, Adelaide, if you want to give us a quick introduction and then we'll get started. Hello, and first, uh, thanks for having me. Well, I have been in the cybersecurity industry for several years, uh, almost, for example, I think more than 15 years I have been into hacking. And the last about the 10, 10 years of my uh, last hacking um, attempts was, uh, I, I was doing that uh, with my white hat uh, umbrella. So uh, I think I was also in the black side, the dark side, and now I am in the white side. When people asking me what is the difference between a hacker and a cybersecurity specialist, I was just trying to answer their question with the talking style. I was saying that the hackers are Saruman and the cybersecurity specialists are the Gandalf the White. So both are sorcerers, but one is serving for the dark side and the other one is for the light. So this is the difference. So in general terms, we are also hackers. I was kind of thinking uh, when you first said dark side of, you know, the Jedi and the Sith, but I guess uh, Lord of the Rings works too, because I love them both. So I'm, I'm totally all yeah. for, for all that. So um, I, I think to kind of set the stage here, it's important to understand what white hat, excuse me, white hat hacker actually means. So someone who hasn't heard that term before would be able to know what you're referring to. Well, white hat hacker is a hacker, but he has an official approval document that the, from the from the target. This is a company in most cases. So the company is providing you some materials such as the scope. So you know that where to hack, where to attack, and then for example, if you have a statement of work, for example, you agree with the time that you are going to attack. For example, sometimes the company says, okay, please don't do that in the working time. You just send your payloads, your traffic, your attacking vectors only in the weekend. So you have an agreement with the company the company is aware what you're going to do. And in such a case, for example, if you use, sometimes while you are attacking, the system may have some failures, for example. Mm -hmm. So in that case, they uh, urgently call you and say, please stop, and we're going to restart the services, etc. So this is some kind of uh, an agreement between the two sides, the, the attacker and the target. So a white hat hacker is an official hacker, a legal hacker, doing everything in a hacker way. You, you, ha you have to do what a black hat hacker is doing 
during your penetration testing, for example, but you have to inform the company, you have an agreement, you have a license, you have an approval document. So everything is legitimate. This is the only difference. And you get paid for doing that. Ah, uh, yes, 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 correct. <laughs> this is this is the most yeah. important part. Yeah. Um, can it somehow be be compared to red and blue team operations? Well, for example, if you're some, for example, I I, I just want to uh, inform that our our uh, audience, for example, sometimes they can mix the difference between penetration testing and red, red uh, team operations. For example, if you're doing penetration testing, during the test, some, sometimes you have, to, you have to organize the target because in, in some cases, the company IT employees are not aware of the cybersecurity or, uh, for example, this, this may be their first penetration testing experience. So in, in some cases, you have to think like a blue team leader, then you lead the whole IT department. For example, you, you just say that during the penetration testing, okay, we have discovered your issues. And if you find out any critical level issue, if you discover it, you have to urgently inform them. And mm -hmm. in some cases, you, you, this, is, this is by nature. You have to give a service as a blue team leader that you say that, okay, please close uh, close those ports, you have to do your uh, fix, a hot fix urgently, blah, blah, blah. So sometimes you, you, you think like a red team or sometimes you have to think like a blue team leader. So what is the difference? The red team is just the attacking one you have to penetrate everything. So you have to discover the issues, you have to find out the exploits, you have to exploit the system. So this is the red team's mind, mm -hmm. mindset. And from the other side, sometimes you have to think about, the to, to, you have to look on the perspective of the target, of the customer, of your client. So you have to do some blue, blue uh, team skills. You have to show them how to uh, countermeasure on those attacks. So this blue team is the defense one and the red team is the attacking one. Okay. Awesome. I hope it was clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Thank you. So we just talked about the, you know, you know, types of um, hackers that we have. I, I do feel the need to give a disclaimer, although I kind of don't feel this is required. But um, if you are working in an enterprise company, this podcast is not an invitation for you to try to impress your boss by seeing what kinds of uh, shenanigans you can get into in hacking servers. Because um, if you don't have approval or you don't have experience in this, you could be walked out the door and none of us are gonna be responsible if someone makes a bad decision. That being said, um, I think at this point, we could talk about the different attack phases if you'd like and how and walk us through exactly what that looks like. Well, yes, but let me let me also mm -hmm. introduce the gray hat hackers okay. and also suicide hackers. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there are several types of hackers, really. So you know now now people listening to us knows the difference between the white and the black one, and there is a gray one. The gray one is also hacking the target without of any permission, but he does not give any harm. He just looks and then goes out. So this is the gray one. And the suicide one is he's aware of one day or at the end of the operation, he's going to be arrested. But he has some motivation. For example, this can be a political one. Uh, and he decides to hack whatever it takes. So this is the suicide hacker. And now answering your question, yes, there are some phases. Uh, Wherever in, in, in the world, wherever you are going to uh, do your hacking operation, you have to obey those steps. This is the uh, procedural way of hacking a target. There are some, yes, of course, there are some secret kiddies or there are some people just sending an EXE file and then let the people click on it. And then he says, yes, I hacked the system. Yes, he, he did it. But the natural way of hacking process is uh, you have to do it in a methodological way. So first you have to plan. You have to, you have to plan what you're gonna do to hack this uh, target. So 
first stage is planning and then you have to scan for example there are two types of scanning one is active scanning after reconnaissance and the other one is passive reconnaissance during the passive reconnaissance you, you uh, the, the target or uh, company you're not going to send any traffic you're not going to touch the people just trying to find out some information for example on google on the social networks on the official website of the company yes and also for example if you would like to uh, take some information about the email addresses for example you may you may use some tools like the harvester and then you understand that oh okay i figured out the email addresses and then i look at the person of the email address owner on the social media then yes now i can do my social engineering uh, operation on that person this is the passive one and if you try to find out something during your scanning process you you touch the company you touch the target you for example you call the people for example you send some traffic on their uh, systems, then this is the active reconnaissance. And if you think that you have uh, enough information, then you go to the other step, then you go to the scanning process. You scan the scope that you have found out during your reconnaissance stage, and then you begin scanning. You can discover the operating systems. You can discover the... Um, the services they are running on the operating systems for example and if you can find out the um, version of the um, demons of the services this is this is a great thing so after scanning and completing the uh, network mapping uh, process then you go through the enumeration during the enumeration you're trying to discover for example the usernames for example you can you can um, use your brute force attack skills then you can try to find out if people are using any uh, passwords that are listed in the common word lists or you can try to find out some default usernames and passwords for example mm -hmm. so after the enumeration also then the next stage is you're gonna try to find out the vulnerabilities on those systems then you can use a any good vulnerability assessment tool during the scanning process and after that you will see you will find out the um, um, vulnerabilities listed uh, the tool is going to list you but this is this is the automation automation one and you can do it by manually of course uh, the difference between a good hacker and a standard hacker is just if you have good skills to do those kind of things manually then you're a good uh, good hacker but if you're only relying on the tools then yes you're you're such a standard one after uh, you have discovered the um, um, the vulnerabilities then you try to find out if we have any exploits in the exploit databases you can you can use such tools like metasploit or you can use your again your hacking skills you can try to figure out if you can exploit them if if you are for example a good hacker you have to write your own exploiting tools uh, a hacker a good one should i think he should um should, should have skills on programming for example python or bash etc mm -hmm. and then after exploiting then you have to then you you have access this is this is uh, granting the access and after that you have to be the root the administrator so you have to privilege escalation this is the uh, next step if you can uh, escalate the privilege then if you can be the root so that it means some kind of you're the god of the system so that means yes now i hacked it and after that yes you you have to remove everything you had um, um by accident or by your purpose by your own, own purpose you have to delete you have to cover all tracks and the last stage this is the this 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 is finished I mean, if you are just trying to hack a system, whole steps is 
this one and now you're finished. But mm -hmm. if you're a penetration tester, the, the last one is you have to write your report and send it to the customers. So this is the standard procedure. But if you're a penetration tester, if you are doing a penetration testing, you have to do it uh, with these standards such as OSS TMM, which means open source security testing methodology. Or you can use, for example, NIST, or you mm -hmm. can use, uh, for example, uh, ISAF. Uh, so there are some common standards for a penetration tester. And if you are doing your penetration testing under the umbrella of this, if you are using a framework, then it means that you did a very good job. That's, that's very a, comprehensive. Yeah, that was great, actually. Great explanation. Um, um, there is just one, one thing. Mm -hmm. And that is if you're a penetration testing and if you're trying to do just, I don't know, red team operations and you're going to inform the company. There may be one other step there if you're just doing it the black hat way and you're going to leave some persistent way of getting back in again so that you don't have to repeat the process. Some targets are just there for a long time, no one notices and you stay in the system and you find a way to keep, to keep your access. So that's another step that you're going to do, have to do. You have to persist your access. Like yes. uh, keeping a UID under 1000 with a username of, uh, you know, sysprocess1 or Jira user or some kind of weird thing where you have it, it looks kind of legit. And then, you know, I've kind of, I've seen that that kind of thing before where, where there's something about that username. I can't put my finger on it, but something is off. And then it's like one character off of what it's supposed to be. Oh, it's fake. <laughs> And it's got an SSH key. Why does a app need an SSH key? Hmm. Well, yeah. um, sometimes, sometimes, for example, if the company agrees with you, some some of the companies are very uh, cooperative. For example, in in some cases, the client asks you to please do whatever you can, and then you 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 understand that you can leave a backdoor. So also you yes so you also take the screenshot of the screen and then say okay now we have the backdoor so in any time I want I can have the access but some of the clients say oh please don't don't give too much harm just uh, enter just have the access please don't try to be the root because we have to keep our uptime so this depends on the client and. In, in, in some cases, they also ask you to do uh, a black box penetration testing. And some clients just want to give a, 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 each information that you, you need. And then they say, OK, please don't do anything. Just just um, scan, just do your simple penetration process, and then give us the report. So this, this also depends on the client. Sounds like so, that's kind of limiting the the um, the the quality of the report that that client would get if they're limiting the person and what they can do that is, in my personal opinion, if you agree, that's not the best thing because you kind of want to know everything. And if you're telling them, please only do this one thing, then you really don't know that you're secure at that point. You know, some some companies don't actually like to be singled out as having problems. And when you hire someone like Atalai, you don't actually want them to get in. You want them to try and then come back and say, oh, I couldn't get in, so your systems are great. And if they do find a way in, they get annoyed sometimes, even if they yeah. ask for it. It's a cr ego-crushing thing. I yeah, think. it is. And yes. I have just another question here that popped in while I was listening to you, Atalai. As, as a pharmacist admin, how much... How much do the do your customers trust the systems after you're done with them? Ah, uh, you you ask after the penetration. Yeah, after, after sending actually, the report. Yeah, do they actually get them back into production? Do they reimage them? What? Well, normally, normally uh, after the penetration testing, yes, you send the report. But also there is one more process, and if you send the report, they have to close all the gaps. And the customer should inform you, and they they have to ask that uh, you have you they they should ask you to uh, do one more uh, verification penetration testing. So, uh -huh. yes, and and then for for uh, for one more, you have to do the penetration testing from scratch, and figure out that if they really close the gaps, if they close the vulnerabilities or not. So. 
So this is the second part of penetration testing. So sometimes, yes, there are good IT employees. They are so eager to close the gaps. They close it, they inform you. And when you do your validation penetration testing, you you understand that you figure out that, yes, they, they are so great people. They are, they, yes, they close all the gaps. And this is the client that I love so much. But in some games, cases, Maybe they're not good enough in IT industry. Maybe they're lazy. Maybe this is a policy of the company. I don't know. They do not um, close the gaps quickly. You have to wait. But in any cases, after the validation penetration testing, you see that the systems are now at that point, at the date you do the validation test, you understand that, yes, there is no more critical or high vulnerabilities. So yes, they trust us. I trust them. That's it. Okay. Having been on the receiving end of one of such, uh, actually multiple uh, penetration testing and, uh, and uh, your type of work, uh, there is another blocker sometimes for the, the IT teams. is when they have legacy systems that they're trying to maintain running because they have compatibility issues and they are blocked from upgrading or deploying new versions because they won't work with whatever you are running there. So they get the reports, they will be scared like hell that they are going to be vulnerable, but then their hands are tied because they cannot update and they cannot close the loops. Is there any advice for those guys? Well, this is this is a great question, and this is this is a, another how to say a wound of the penetration testers because in in some companies, for example, if this is a bank or if this is a card. Um, card, how to say, if they are producing cards, the company that you are going to make your penetration testing is in, in some cases, they are, they are in the finance industry. So mm -hmm. you suggest them to upgrade their systems. You suggest them to please install a new operating system because the one that you are using is out of date. So they, they sometimes say, uh, and we can't do it and we can't do anything because the software we are running on this operating system is running only on this operating system yep. version. So yep. in, in some cases as a penetration tester, I say, okay, I just informed you and I wrote it on the report. But for example, if you're a QSA, for example, if you're a PCI QSA, what can you do? Because you're the assessor, you're going to sign the paper that this company is uh, having the PCI DSS certification. So in, 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 if you are a cybersecurity specialist, you have to talk with the person that he is going to give the certification and you have to warn him, please, you, you can't give any access. You can't, you can't sign this paper, but ah, this is the nature of this uh, industry. So what can you do as a penetration tester? Yeah. I just informed yeah. But yes, I, I just can say in my experience, I have tested many, many, many systems. And yes, some of the clients are really great. They are following the technology. They are upgrading their systems, updating the software. But some of them are just using legacy systems and you can't do anything. And the people using their credit cards, people using their banks, they have accounts on those banks, think that, oh yes, this is a huge bank. And I, I am pretty sure they are having all cyber security services, but no. No, <laughs> I, no. I, I, can't rem I, I can't remember what bank it was. I, I don't even think it was ever revealed, but someone, uh, you know, submitted a screenshot to a popular security podcast, um, another one, and something like, uh, is an error message that a user received when trying to register an account for their bank. It says, um, sorry, you can't use this password. It's already been used. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And um, I think it was also warning about the username, um, but it was like all their accounts, like it was already used by some other user. And then it was like, okay, that just gives too much information. But speaking about legacy, and I'll, I'll get back to security in a minute. I just thought this would be kind of funny to add, to, to, to mention, is I worked for a company a long time ago um, and nobody could get in the door. Like everyone's reporting to work and, and the entire, you know, employee population is outside waiting at the door. And I walk up and I'm like, 
what's going on. Like, and, and none of their key fobs work. They can't get in. And then, um, you know, a janitor is called, lets us all in. And then I, being the IT person, look at look into this. And it's that Windows 98 laptop. It, it crashed. It's the one that's running the door software that, that handles the locking system. So the minute that hard drive went down, like no one can get inside the entire building. And it was just like this the big baseball moment. But getting back into security, I think in my um, career, the one of the first things I found really interesting is how companies just don't take this seriously. I, I remember reaching out to a client and, you know, urgently telling them, you know, your software has a critical vulnerability it's remote code execution, and it's being used right now. And there's already, you know, reports of other um, installations getting owned. We need to get you patched. Can we do it tonight? Like, just let us know. And they're like, uh, I don't know, maybe in a month or two, we have a big release that we're trying to get out at. Like, okay, you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. It's remote code execution. They can get in there and start deleting things or doing whatever they want. Eh, no, maybe in a month or so. A week later, they submitted a ticket that um, something was going on and there's already a crypto miner inside their um, application <laughs> server. Um, and, you know, it's just staggering to me. Like, this isn't an uncommon thing. It wasn't just one client. Like, this scenario plays out over and over again. And it just seems like they, they want to check the box that they're doing the security thing without doing the work, almost. Yeah. Yes, yes. For example, in Turkey, while I was doing a penetration testing for a, a university, a public university, and uh, we were trying to um, discover the issues on the web applications of this university. You, you, you mean? I, I mean, I mean the the students, um, all credentials, all information, their they, the, 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 the ranks they had uh, after the um, exams, everything is in this database. And I said the IT guy, okay, why don't you have an SSL certification? It's not activated. And he told me that, ah, come on, if we activate it, the whole website CSS is crashing. So what can you do as a penetration tester? The guy is just not activating the SSL just because he cannot figure out how to pull the CSS file. Just he, he cannot just type an S letter instead of HTTP on the source code. So what can you do? <laughs> yes. Wow, that's just that, that's just amazing. One of the things I thought about, you know, going back to your order of operations for um, you know attacking. You mentioned, I, I'm pretty sure, like Googling, getting information. Um, sometimes you could start at that level and get some information before you even get to the point where you mm -hmm. get to the systems. And I and I started to think about, you know, a lot of the system administrators out there, um, how they do their job. It, it's very common that they themselves will Google something like, I'm getting an error message on my server. What is the, What does this mean? And then what if they go to a Google group or some kind of public group and, and say, hey, I'm running Apache version, whatever, and it, I'm getting this error message. And then there's some kind of link to their name to link to LinkedIn. If you, think, if you walk through this, wait a minute, this person's last name at this company is this last name and this username has that same last name. And they're asking about Apache in a public forum. So I know they're running Apache now, and I know what version it is, and I didn't even get to the server yet. But I think in that moment, the uh, sysadmin is like, you know, my boss is going to kill me if I don't get this Apache server fixed. And I just start to think about how common, and this is a question for you, is, is how common is it that you find this scenario where people are asking for help and then you, you get information out of that? It's so common. Trust me, believe me, it's so common. And the, the client, this is the type of the client I love so much. And I also love the developers that they are, they are uh, writing commands on the source code. Uh, th those, those types of clients are the ones I love so much, yes. For, this, is, this is, for example, the, the example that you are saying is, is in the scope of passive reconnaissance. So mm -hmm. if, if you can do the reconnaissance, as you say, it is, it is very, in, in, in many cases, it is very easy to penetrate the target. So this is a very good thing. You, if, if you are good at Googling, if you have the Google hacking skills, that, then you can understand that the employees are sending too many information on the social media, on Reddit, for example, on yes. Google groups. So yes, he, he invites me to get in. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, why am I getting a null pointer exception in my code? Here's a, here's my code. Can somebody help me? Oh, I know how to trigger a null pointer exception. Let me show you how that gets triggered. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. Yes. Oh and you gosh. mentioned Apache. Apache is even more nice than that. The error messages will even tell you the version that he's running already. So you don't I, even have to Google that. I totally forgot about that. That's so true. It's, yeah. it's right there at the bottom of the page. And you can trigger a 404 and, and, and probably get the information there, too. Yeah. This is Apache server running on Debian version whatever. Like, oh, I know what version of Debian it is, too. Hmm. And yep, Nginx, eight years. Nginx suffers from the same problem. <laughs> By default, they all verbose the information out. Yes, yes. What I can say at, at this point is, for example, when I was a rookie in this hacking field, and you know, there are some CTFs, CTF machines. So I still mm -hmm. sometimes think that those CTF machines are some kind of um, fictional. But then I realized when I when, when I begin working in the real scenarios, I realized that, oh, come on, these CTFs helped me too much because as you say, for example, if you click on, right click on the web page and okay, see the source code, you can see that um, in, in some comments that there are some, some how to say, some flags in the yeah. CTF machine. But in real scenarios also, it is, it is very common to get some information, very important information for the hacker to understand the uh, infrastructure of the target or in some cases, for example, I, I, I really read that, okay, this is the demo account and the the account name is demo yeah. and the password is one two three four five in the comment section. <laughs> How nice of them! Yes. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> by the way, yes, yes. By the I way, for those that flying. may be that may be unfamiliar, the CTF yeah. that I mentioned are capture yes. the flag events. Yeah. They're pretty pretty fun. If you're interested in this, you can find CTF events all over the internet. Just Google CTF hacking. And you'll find some exercises that you can do and not get thrown into jail by doing it. I, I actually ran into a client. Um, I got to be very careful what I say. Several months back, and their um, their their admin username and password was the same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they were a they're a medical company. Ooh, mm -hmm. Gosh, they fixed it. They fixed it, but um, we had to point the finger at them and scold them for it first. Um, but Speaking about um, uh, being a sysadmin, I kind of feel like there's several different levels. Like when you first start out, like you're just starting out, you, you see like the authorization log just going crazy with, oh, my God, I'm under attack. And this is my first day on the job. You know, OpenSSH has got all these attempts. Well, there's a lot of background radiation on the Internet with uh, script kitties and, and things going through. But then there comes a point when it is a targeted attack and there actually is someone on the other end that it's not just someone scanning random servers. At this point, they want your server. They're looking at you. They don't like your company and, or whatever it is that they decided the reason is. So I um, figured it might be you know, pretty fun to talk about what sysadmins can do to defend against some of these things, keeping in mind there's no perfect defense. But... Um, how do they? How, how would you say sysadmins should protect against these types of things, or the most common things? The first thing that uh, they have to follow the exploits, the zero dates, for example, the new vulnerabilities every day. For example, while drinking their coffees in the morning, mm -hmm. they sit on their chair, okay, drinking your coffee, and please go to some websites um, that uh, you can follow the new vulnerabilities so you understand that oh okay for example i am i am running apache version blah 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 on my system oh now they the the hackers find out discover the new vulnerabilities so i have to patch it for example so this is this is a good way to follow the vulnerabilities and of course, hardening. For example, I, I, I really um, met with many system administrators that they don't even know what a hardening is. So they just, um, okay, deployed the services and it's running. Okay, he says to me, okay, it's running. So what, what you have to do is 
um, hardening your server. So there, if you are if you are not good at hardening, or if you don't know what hardening is, if you don't have any experience on that, yes, there are many articles, but also there are some, for example, SH files that you can find on GitHub, and mm-hmm. then you just um, run it, and the 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 um, SH file will show you what you have to follow. So it, it shows you, for example, you have this service, you have to fix it quickly, or you have these ports open and you're not using it. So if you're not good at hardening, if you didn't have, if you don't have any experience on that, just find any SH file from the GitHub, please just run it. It will show you what you have to do. Yeah. For example, yes. And, um, Okay, in general, what you have to do is please just close the ports you're not using. Please just close the services that you're not using. And please deploy a really good web application firewall, a firewall that really have any IPS and IDS specialties, features. For example, in some cases, I go to the client and then we do the penetration testing. He says to me, okay, we have a web application firewall and then we bypass it. And we ask that, are, are you really using that web application firewall? And he says, yes. When we look at the, um, for example, configuration, files it is the default one so you oh, have no. to yes yeah, so you have to do your configuration you have to deploy your web application firewall your firewall if you need any more cyber security products please use it please give some more budget on cyber security and yes, yeah. yes and please follow the podcasts read the articles about cyber security about how to harden the system how to harden your uh, servers and then this is it the, the other thing is the penetration testers job we are going to find out the, uh, the vulnerabilities and we are going to inform you so you you please at least do the basics this is right. it Keep another thing updated, for example yep. don't wait one or I two think... months to deploy them sorry Jake. oh no i'm sorry i think there might be audio lag i don't mean to cut you off um <laughs> so I was going to say mindset too in, in several different aspects because on one side, a lot of sysadmins out there will install all the updates for everything and assume they're good. I have all the patches. I'm fine. No, you're better than you were. Yes, but you're not fine because how many of those CVEs are actually, you know, how many, how many you know, how many of them have a patch? We don't know. Um, and do they all have a patch? No, they, they don't. So you're just lessening the number of CVEs that you're vulnerable to. But um, you mentioned earlier about, you know, while you're having your coffee, reading about CVEs, that's so important because that gives you the real information about what people are doing right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're up to date. Great. That's awesome. That I mean, we always talk about the importance of updates. I think I'm also guilty of, you know, kind of playing that out a bit. But understanding what's happening is really important, too. Another thing is um I mean, this is just a bit of advice you know if your your boss comes to you and says you know i need you to secure the servers and then you go in there and you know you, you follow the best practices you lock down open ssh and you do a, a couple other things there and mm-hmm. you, maybe you did some really great work and you close down some very serious things don't tell your boss that the, that the server's secure don't i mean don't set the mindset that you you can't be hacked because oh yeah the servers are perfect i did a great job there's nobody getting in here don't ever say that yeah. Especially it's better than it was. Right. It's better. I, I closed these different things because if your company hires a penetration tester, you're gonna and you keep telling your boss that everything is perfect, you are going to find out eh, no, it's not. And if you were to be honest with your employer, your supervisor, whoever, yeah, I closed down this, this, and this, and the server is better secured than it was. Um, and some bosses out there, well, I want it perfect. No, that's not possible, but we're going to keep, I'm going to keep monitoring this and addressing things. I'm going to keep looking for things. Don't set yourself up for, you know, a mindset that you are perfect because you're not, nobody is. And I think that can make the situation a little less anxious when, when a penetration tester is hired in. If your boss gets mad at you, I told you I better secured the server. And I'm very grateful that we have a penetration tester to find things that I've missed. And I would love to put those things into production and make it even better for you. That would be a better way to word it and kind of, you know, make sure you don't get backed into a corner. 
Yeah, and just to add something to what you said there about best practices, we work on a field where it's very hard to find actual best practices from an authoritative source. There are lots of people with opinions out there. There are lots of people who have always done things one way and it has actually worked out fine for them. But not all environments are the same. Not all systems are the same. Not all configurations are equal. So what actually works best in one place might not be ideal for you on another. Um, right. And we've actually been preparing some content around this on, on TechScare. Um, best practices is a term that is often thrown around in the in the industry but is really tricky to actually nail down on any subject related to it because you'll get the vendor information and you assume that's authoritative but then they say something really weird on their documentation and you scratch your head a lot what were they thinking when they said this or when right. they recommended this and be very careful when you find some article that says okay these are the best practices that you need to follow Try to find some other ones to corroborate that. That is so just true. following one. Just following one might not be the best idea. I, I think it comes to mind uh, marketing in IT because you better bet if a software company was able to say that our defaults follow all the best practices, there wouldn't be a such thing as best practices because it's already the case, right? You don't have to change it. The defaults work. And we're not in a world where the defaults are ever good enough and where best practices are just a suggestion. I feel like best practices are low-hanging fruit. And what you're doing is you're trying to get rid of as much low-hanging fruit as you can, but you still have an entire tree. You're just making it easy to that, you know, the attacker doesn't have to stand on their tippy toes or maybe go get a ladder to get to the fruit because you're just taking the ones that are the lowest down on, on the tree. But you have an entire tree of opportunity there that they can, if they get a tall enough ladder, they can climb right up. It just depends on, you know, is the attacker afraid of heights or not? Or, you know, do they have a tall enough ladder to get to or, or enough time? I guess the ladder could be like a simulation of time because, you know, it depends on how interested they are, right? Like they kind of care a little bit. Okay, there's no low hanging fruit. I'm going to go somewhere else because I don't want to spend more than five minutes over here. Or, you know, I don't like this company. I'm going to spend like the next two weeks on this com on this company and try to find something. It kind of depends on that. So what you're doing is you're just trying to get rid of that low hanging fruit as much as you possibly can. But at the end of the day, you also have to have a disaster prevention and recovery plan, too, because if some with enough intent, intent, someone's going to get in there, unfortunately. I wish I could say, and I believe me, I would be the first one to make that video. Here's how to 100% hack-proof your server. You know how many hits yeah. I would get on that video? It would be like the most popular video in the world, but I can't make that video because it's impossible. Yeah, and things change. What might be the best practice today might not be in a week from now when four or five new vulnerabilities have come out that completely append all that. So you need to stay on top of it. And like you said, Atalai, paying attention to new CVEs that are coming out, that's a really good way to do it. Even if the new flow of CVEs has been growing and growing and it's becoming harder and harder to do that manually. Some of the tools that you mentioned, some IDS tools, some security tools will actually do that for you and will produce you a, a summary of, okay, these are the new CVs that came out today and we scanned your systems. You have these and these and these that may be affected. It's always good to keep track of them, but at some point it's going to be humanly impossible to keep track of all of them. It, they're just yeah. too many. They're just too complex. You might read the titles, but then if you look into the actual details, it might be too hard to actually grasp the full implications of all of that. And even whoever wrote the CVE, he might say, okay, this affects version so-and-so of the software, but he didn't try all of them. He just looked at the codes, found it there. Who knew yeah. if that code hadn't been reverted sometime in the, in, the, in the past and had actually been used before? It right. might have been. He didn't try them all. He really didn't try them all. He provided the best information he could find. But no CV actually mentions that, so people take them as authoritative again. And they may not be. You really need to, to keep paying attention to these issues. Right. Yeah, for example, maybe you remember, I think last year, one of the biggest hosting companies was compromised. And then um, they discovered that they had a penetration test and they had the report, but somehow just a simple guy uh, had access to the 
uh, credentials of the um, clients of that hosting company. So yes, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Yes, they had the penetration testing service, but still they was they were hacked. So that doesn't mean if you have your, for example, if you want to have a penetration testing service from a company, you have to you have to how to say you have to ask everything to the people their certifications. The, with, with which other companies they are uh, providing their service, etc. So um, you, you can find too many cybersecurity specialists in the world, but that doesn't mean that they are really specialists. Yeah. And also, and, and, and also, excuse me, well, um, the, uh, for example, maybe this will frustrate the audience, but most of the best practices are some kind of fundamentals. So I kind of suggest system administrators to, if they they have an access, please just do a vulnerability assessment, for example, once a month, periodically. Just use any vulnerability scanner periodically, and you will discover at least the the, the issues, uh, the critical ones, the high ones. And also, I just suggest them to have a cooperation with the developers. For example, you, for example, sometimes the system is very secure. The server is very hardened, it's okay. But if the developer is not coding the software in the SDLC, uh, for example, if there is no secure development in the process, for example, we, we had um, penetrated many systems. Yes, the server is very hardened, but we have discovered the SQL injection. So there is no offense, there is no, no have to say, there is no fault of the server administration, but the fault is with the development team. So they, they, they have to be cooperative. This, right. is the, this is the right way to have the good cybersecurity uh, practices. For example, also, you know, defense in depth is very important. Okay, you do the basic uh, best practices step by step, but that does not give you the secure uh, title. You have to do everything in the defense in depth uh, perspective, and you have to be cooperation with the any software developers running on your server. This is also another yep. suggestion. I would say um, instead of best practices, I almost wonder if we should just try to phrase it as we need good security hygiene, good security common sense, because Usually what I find companies doing that, you know, is really making it easy for attackers to get in. It just comes down to, you know, they just probably should have thought a little bit further. I, I, for example, I've seen companies, you know, that want an SSL cert. Great. That's a good thing to do. But don't send it to your MSP by email, please, with the private key in there. Please don't do that. Uh, don't ever do that. <laughs> Make sure you send that very securely because that, um, that certificate can't be trusted anymore because you sent the private key in clear text. You know, someone might oh I have say I have this script and it automates the server builds. That's great. I'm going to put it on GitHub and I'm going to include my SSH public and private key there too. So when I pull it all down, there's nothing I have to do. Well, guess what? Your public key is out there. Um, and how many times have you seen like private keys and API keys in GitHub repositories. I mean, there was a time period where someone told me, like, if you want to break into a company, just go on GitHub and, and put it, you search for file names for, you know, typical file names for private keys. And you have pretty much um, a smorgasbord of these different things. And, um, you know, you, when it comes to SSH, locking it down, that's common sense. Not sending private keys is common sense. It's almost like best practices isn't even a proper word for it. Just, just trying to have common sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So we try to understand how things work. Right. Yeah. Security should be a discipline for whole employees. For example, in the new new uh, uh, for example, I think it was last week. Yes, last week we had another penetration testing for a company. It's a very huge one, and then we figured out that one of the employees in front of our desk just. Um, uh, I think he was going to have his lunch and we, we discovered that he didn't lock the screen. So we, we just peeked the, the monitor and we figured out that they're, they, they are using um, the, the, the client, the LDP, uh, LDA app client that they are using 
and then my um, co-worker um, downloaded the same client and then we we were the administrator of this LD app. So why didn't you just click on the Windows key and then L before you're leaving your computer? Because he doesn't have the awareness. So the human factor is also very important. Although you are a very good uh, system administrator, although you are, a, how to say, you are a security guy, if your other uh, teammates don't have the cybersecurity awareness, then... Yeah. It's the weakest link. <laughs> yes. Yep, yes. weakest link. Path, the shortest path of least resistance is the easiest way in. And I remember one time I was working with a client, and this is a good thing, actually, um, at an MSP, in order for me to get a login to their systems to start working on their servers, I had to take a security training that took like three hours in order to get that username. Like I was not even going to get in. There's no way. Like, cause they make every single person, their employees internally and externally, even just contractors and people they've hired to do one thing, they have to take that test. And some of my coworkers are complaining and I'm thinking, this is great. Like everyone should do this, right? Because, you know, they're training their employees and they're making their contractors take the same training. That's great because, um, you know, you're making sure that you get that message across that these are the things that we expect you not to do. Like don't, and it sounds like common sense, but you'd, you'd be surprised. All these things that people mention you shouldn't do, they're mentioning because someone's done it. Oh, yeah. this flash drive I found right here in the parking lot. It's 64 gig. That's awesome. Like I got more storage. I'm going to totally take that and use it. And then, you know, what happens after that when you put it in the computer? Um, but, you know, the security training is great. And a lot of companies don't invest in that. And I would also go as far as to say, like, probably every company should, like you were saying earlier, invest in security. Get a penetration tester. Find out. Like, don't just take the word for it from your sysadmin. Have another person look at it. It's the best thing that you can do because they might find something that, um, would have been a big deal. And you'd, you'd be on the news for the wrong reason. I'd rather you be on the news because your company is so awesome and they're setting a standard, but it's too often your company's on the news because someone got in. And it's even better for the sysadmin because that means he won't be losing his job for screwing up really hard and mm -hmm. someone actually noticed it before it became a problem. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, as a sysadmin, you don't you don't want your name attached to that, you know, that situation at all, because, you know, how this process plays out. You know, if, at first, you know, if it's newsworthy, they're going to this company was owned and they're going to talk about that on the news. The next thing people want to know is what was the CEO doing? And then they want to know what was the CTO doing? And they're going to keep going down that list. And if you're that sysadmin, I'm not trying to scare you, but I am. You, you want to make sure if cornered, you know, obviously there's going to be policy about talking to the press, but you don't want your name there at all because that follows you. And if it gets online and your name is associated with a catastrophic failure, um, you know, just like, um, I, you know, a similar situation that security or IT related, but it's the same thing. You know, I, I heard that there's this expressway here in Michigan where um, they spent like a number of years rebuilding it just to find out that they used the wrong mixture in the um, concrete and they have to redo all of those millions of dollars of work. I guess that person probably isn't in that industry anymore. And if your, your company gets hacked, that's not good. So you want to make sure that you're cooperating with your penetration tester. They're there to help you. They are not there to get you fired. That is very important to keep in mind. Penetration testers are not out to get you out of a job. They're out to help you keep your job. So cooperate with them. Understand what they're trying to tell you and why they're concerned about it. And if you don't have a security budget, you should really communicate to your leaders that this is absolutely something that you should be doing. And if you want some sources, go on Google, you'll find no shortage of companies that made the wrong choice that you can use as an example, when you make your case to your boss, we need to get some security people over here to, to make sure everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple other things that we um, want to, might want to talk about, um, that I have on my list is targeted attacks versus spray and pray probes. I don't know if I've ever actually heard of spray and pray before. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I actually wrote that 
with some tools like show them in mind when you just uh, mm -hmm. tell them to scan the whole internet looking for this specific software version you don't actually have a target so you go after all of them and you find right. the ones that are running it and then those are the ones that you're going to go after is that something that you actually use yeah sometimes but if you are doing your penetration if you are doing a penetration testing no it is it is useless Target. but yes but if you're a hacker yes for example if you use dorks you can find out many many targets that they can they they have this vulnerability for example and yes using shodan or something like that some some kind of search engines that they're going to give information about the services about the ports about the ip addresses yes you can you can use it for uh, in any case but during the penetration testing ah, not much, not much, because your target, your scope is yeah, already limited. yes, 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 already limited. Correct. Right. So you're basically saying, I mean, you, you're hired by the companies, so it, it doesn't really matter what like the like everyone else is running because everyone else isn't paying you. So no, the person no. paying you though, you gotta you gotta show. Yeah, I can get into that server. As in, in here you go. Here's your report. <laughs> and I, you know, I was actually I've gone through the process uh, before with a penetration tester, and I loved it. Like I, I just thought it was great. Like I can't wait to see what they find. I know that's not the common like response, but. I felt like this is an opportunity to learn something and I'm going to probably find out some things. The report was better than I thought. Surprisingly, there's only, I think, three or four major critical things and there was just a couple small ones on there, but it was still a learning experience and it, it helped out the client quite a bit. And it was a win for everyone, I thought. And I never once thought, oh my God, I'm going to be out of a job. Like, well, I guess maybe because the company I worked for actually understood security, they kind of know that there's no 100%. I think that's kind of rare. But um, yeah, when tools like Shodan and things, I mean, the information's out there and it's just a matter of looking in the right place for it. <laughs> Sometimes that's yes. the only thing that really separates getting in from not getting in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, for, for a hacker, yes, the reconnaissance is the most important part. That's why, yes. Yeah. Let's not forget that not all hackers are penetration testers. They're actually doing it for some other motivation. So some might uh, just be interested in finding targets and the most amount of targets possible to spread whatever they want to do or get whatever access they want to get. So it's probably more about motivation and than anything else. One question I, I, I kind of have, it's not on here though. Um, so Adelaide, do you feel like you get like a lot of opposition or like anger, people like upset at you? You're just doing your job, right? You just, you're, you were paid to give information. You're giving the information that you're paid to give. And and you, do you have a lot of situations where people are very upset with you for what you found, even though it's not your fault you found it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I had that experience too many times. For example, sometimes if you're going to do a simulation, a phishing attack simulation, I realized that in some companies, people say them, they inform them, if you get some kind of this type of an email, then this is from the penetration testing team. Please don't click it, blah, blah, blah. So why are you doing this? We're, as you say, we are just trying to figure out how many people opens the emails, how many people clicks, and how many people enters the credentials if there's a real phishing attack, but they just inform them all, all of the employees are be are informed from just one person who solves, who, who sees us that we are uh, penetration testing at that moment. And yes, sometimes the IT managers are so angry with us because yes, for example, sometimes before beginning the penetration testing, they have some kind of ego and they say that okay, you are going to start the penetration test, but you're not going to find anything. And then they are bragging their, themselves. And uh, yes, they, they are pretty sure that the system is all secure because they were just doing some kind of vulnerability assessment with, for example, Nasus, with, for example, Qualys, and they don't have any critical issue, but they don't understand. They, they just underestimate the hackers' skills. For example, my teammates uh, are so good at hacking. For example, if the Qualys don't find out any vulnerability that doesn't mean that your system is secure here gonna here gonna uh, he's gonna um, do some manual penetration testing and then yes we are in 
and if he sees that on the penetration testing report, then he is shocked. He is angry with me. And sometimes they say, why didn't you inform me? I just say, because it was not critical. It was high. If it is critical, I have to inform you urgently. And then sometimes the managers of the IT department uh, managers, for example, the CEO, the CTO, is angry with that guy. And then everybody is angry with me. And I am the enemy of the company. <laughs> Yes. So yes, yes. I, I I had that experience in 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 many examples. Yeah, it's so sad that that has to be the case. I think, in my opinion, one advice like I'm going to reiterate is if you're an IT sysadmin, drop your ego now, like literally right now. If you're that kind of person that you're just you know I, I get it. We're, we're enthusiastic. We love our job. It is so much fun. We take pride in what we do. We're passionate in what we do, but drop the ego. Allow yourself to be vulnerable and honest about what you're doing and the scope of how helpful it actually is. Don't say you're bulletproof or anything like that. Just get that going right now. So that way, when this situation happens, because in my opinion, as an IT director, um, if someone tells me that they're 100 percent secure, oh, really? Um, hmm. I'm a little skeptical about that. But if I if they say that and then a penetration tester gives me like 15 critical vulnerabilities, then that person's credibility is out the window at that point. Like, I don't even want a person working for me like that. Um, just be honest. We're, we all make mistakes. We're, none of us are perfect. You just drop the ego. Be honest. Allow yourself to be vulnerable and cooperate. And I feel personally that's going to be more job security than having an ego. And please be nice to your penetration tester. <laughs> You know, they go yes, through too much yes. already. It's like an exercise in anxiety management. And, and I know it's an anxious situation for everyone. And no one wants to be the bearer of bad news. It, it, but they're just doing their job. They're just doing what you paid them for. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. Yes. Also, there is a, one, one, another type of uh, a client. Sometimes while you are doing your penetration testing, they, they just somehow try to do some uh, shoulder surfing. They sometimes ask me, oh, which payload are you sending us, etc. So <laughs> just keep quiet, please. I will inform you. I'm going to pretend that advice is, is for me personally. <laughs> because I am so fascinated by all of this. I just want to see it. Like I want to see real hacking, not that 1995 movie or whatever year it came out, Hackers. And I want to see the real thing. I want to see like, okay, what does this look like? This is so fascinating. Yeah, yes. I'll take that advice because I, I would totally be that guy that would want to um, shoulder surf. <laughs> Instead of shoulder surfing, just ask me, please. Uh, could you please show me what you're do doing during the process? Yes, okay, please sit next to me. But if you're trying to shoulder surf and figure out, oh, he's sending payload to this, okay, I have to close that port, oh, blah, yeah, blah. That's right. Please just do that. Just don't do that. I am just oh. trying to figure out your system at that point, at that time. So why are you trying to close the gaps during the penetration testing? Do it after I send you the re uh, report, please. Right. So, yeah, that's a very important thing. You don't. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, let, let them do their job for sure. Yes. Yes. Curiosity is okay. Just ask me which tool I am using, which parameters I am using, because maybe sometimes some uh, some IT uh, guys are interested in cybersecurity. Maybe they will want to transfer, move their career to cybersecurity. That's okay. I will help you. I will teach you. But just please don't peek. Just don't talk and just talk, don't gossip. Just don't say to all other employees that we are sending, we are going to send some phishing mails, blah, blah, blah. Be quiet, please. I'm just doing my job. Right. I think that's a very important takeaway. Mm -hmm. Very important. So, um, yeah, is there, are there any other tips, advice, comments questions at this point because um we this has been very fascinating i, I kind of just don't want this to end to be honest yeah it's been really interesting it's nice to see how the how it works from the other side we are so used to doing this from the sysadmin perspective and i will not confirm nor deny that ego part but uh, yeah uh, we're so used to that side that uh, sometimes we lose the perspective from the attacker and yeah. it's really important to have that uh, that point of view when you're dealing with uh, enterprise security. After all, it's critical that we are protected. 
It is. Yes. It absolutely yes. is. And I'll be the first to admit, I did have an ego at one point in my career. I was that guy at one point. Um, mm -hmm. And I own that because it's it's a true part of my history. But it's like at a certain point, I realized that this isn't the way to be. This isn't this isn't really going to get me anywhere. <laughs> and that's when I found out I'm obsessed with teaching people things like I just get so much more joy out of teaching people something than I do being the only person knowing it. And that's what resulted in my that realization is what basically resulted in my YouTube channel. So um, absolutely, you know, I own it. But yeah, um, that's a that's one key takeaway for sure. And don't over exaggerate your security. Just installing everything in your up update list is not enough. That's great. So your first step for sure. But don't overestimate the value of things. It's, you know, there's so many different avenues. I think that's the hardest part. It's like all these moving pieces of what could be used against you. There's just so many things and I feel like it's just, it's literally impossible for any sysadmin, regardless of how good he or she is, to do everything. I just don't think that's possible. Yeah. Yes, correct. I totally agree. All right. So any other pieces of advice or anything else or, um, that was, wow, this is great. Well, I just can't say, please do your vulnerability assessment. Okay, you don't you don't have to hire any cybersecurity specialists just for that, but do it internally, please. Okay, keep your systems up to date, and then yes, please have a penetration tester at least once a year, please. Yes. That's and and again, just yes, please uh, follow the steps of the best practices. Okay, and then please read as many articles as you can and follow the CVEs, the exploits, the new ones, the zero-day attacks. That's it. That's, that is what you have to do as a system administrator because you're not a cybersecurity guy. Mm -hmm. Right. That's it. That's it. I think well, if, if I were uh, working as a cyber, excuse me, as a system administrator, I would just do that. That's very yes. good advice. And it's simple, straight to the point. It gives people a, yeah. a very clear direction with, a, with some bullet points on there. And so absolutely, when you have your coffee, um, follow several blogs about yes. security, uh, listen to what's going on. Um, of course, we have this podcast, but I also like Security Now, which is another good one. Just educate yourself and read books, read articles. Um, that's very, very good advice. So I, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. This is awesome. Maybe we'll, we'll find a way to get you back in here if you'd like to rejoin us in the future. Um, otherwise, you know, thanks again. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks again. Thanks again having me and I enjoyed so much. And yes, I, I am so eager to meet with you guys again in the near future. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you. Thanks, that's a lie. Thank you. And great. thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. Thanks, everyone.